from veg to flowers and all things in between. The best gardening advice online from World Radio Gardening. Ken's top gardening tips will help you get your blossoms beautiful this season. So we've got another podcast here on World Radio Gardening. And don't forget, you can get your questions in to Ken at our email address, post at worldradiogardening.com. Post at worldradiogardening.com. So Ken, it's a little bit dormant still in the garden at the moment, but we're getting ready for spring, aren't we? And bulbs. Yeah, bulbs are really coming up a treat and it always surprises me that if you think of the weather across the whole of the country it's been colder in some areas than others but basically it's been blooming cold and bulbs still come up and you think what induces a bulb to come up well it's had its cold season through the winter and then it knows it's spring it's a spring flowering bulb and off it goes and most of the nutrients for all bulbs and the strength of the leaf and the flower is all within the bulb. And that's why, you know, actually digressing from that, you can pick a bulb up, put it indoors, just put it in water and it will grow. And the same reason it's sitting in the ground, it picks up a bit of moisture and it knows it is spring, it is time to go. It's at its cold season, which is what I was saying. And they're up. Daffodils are showing. Snowdrops have started to flower. Uh, winter aconite which isn't truly a bulb but if you ever get the chance of uh, planting lots of winter aconite under trees they look fantastic they're bright yellow and the flower only stands up about inch to two inches high a little bit like a little buttercup type flower really sensational if you get a block of those same with snowdrops blocks of snowdrops absolutely gorgeous and it, it does it surprises me how bulbs i tell you what it's the beginning of spring, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I've got some hyacinths that have started to shoot uh, outdoors at the moment in the UK. So they're a bit early, aren't they? Well, yeah. I mean, we always look at when things come up. And I think our seasons have dramatically changed. However, this winter is one of the few winters that we've had hard, cold weather. And I think slowly this year it will pull stuff back a little bit but yes I believe stuff is still a touch early it's not as early as it was last year because last year was totally confused because it went very warm in February March but this year obviously it's been cold through the Christmas period and into the new year hyacinths won't get hurt at all if they come up at this time of the year and that's a good thing about bulbs they don't get burnt at all like other plant material, and that's really great. Because mm, you've got to watch out for burning plants in direct sunlight, Hy hydrangeas and camellias are particularly known Camellia for that. Camellias are the worst, because when you've got these really cold spells and then you get early morning sun, it's a reminder that that isn't where you should have planted your camellia, because <laughs> straight away the bloom, as it opens, you've got a slightly open bloom, which you will have through the end of January and into February. Through those months, you'll get these camellias showing their, their faces. And as soon as that sun hits the frost, it just burns the bloom completely out. So it's, there's two jobs to talk about there. Either protect your camellia with, 
with say a horticultural fleece, which you could do during cold, frosty periods, or in the first place, plant it in the right place. So it never gets morning sunshine. <laughs> so yeah, it's the gardener's fault, isn't it, for planting it in the wrong place. Now, we went down the market the other day and we saw tulips from Amsterdam for sale and we bought some actually for, for the house, cut flowers. Yeah. So tulips are coming in from Amsterdam at the moment now into the UK, but also those bulbs that were planted in the autumn in the soil here in the UK should be coming up now. Yeah, they're starting to show and um, maybe people who have watched the uh, post on World Radio Gardening about planting tulips deep is something I did in a garden uh, last year in the autumn and I planted them about a foot down and if you plant them about a foot, that's called a spade depth, plant mm. them down a spade depth and that way in the summer, even with a hot summer, they'll stay cooler and they can last you a lot longer. Now these ones in this garden are reappearing, much to my joy and the customers actually, I must say, because they bought the tulips, I planted them. And there they are, they're showing their tips are out about, well, in my money, about an inch high already. And when you think they're a spade depth down and they're pushing their stems up that much. So yes, tulips are really starting to show. Although remember that all your daffodils and narcissi generally will be before tulip. Now, I get confused. Tulips, are they a perennial or an annual? Well, it depends how you treat them. I mean, when I, when I did my training in the parks, we used to dig them up and throw them away. But if you treat them, as I've just said, by planting them very deep, they will continue to flower. Just as to produce cut flower, daffodil, and also grow bulbs on, which is the same job, really, you have fields and fields of daffodils. The bulb is getting larger and larger and producing offsets at the same time. It's flowering and it will stay in the field for quite a number of years where it's used for cut flower and then can be dug up and sold as a bulb. Does that make sense to you? It does, yes, yeah. So that's so how they do it. They're all perennials, really, because they're coming up year on year until they... A tulip particularly will have a, a, a shorter life than a daffodil but the daffodil produces offsets and those offsets will flower. You get period where you won't get any flower and then within a couple of years or so, you'll then get new flower from those offsets. Now turning to vegetables, we should be thinking about in the greenhouse getting those seedlings going, shouldn't we, if we've got seed for particular veg? It's quite difficult this time of year because if you've got a cold greenhouse, there's not a lot that you can really start off at this time of the year. It's a little bit too early. But talking of which, I'm actually working on a new veg plot this year. Okay. Um, and we've just been adding compost to that area, ready for the new season. And in fact, with that, I'm going to hopefully uh, follow through with several crops and actually show from planting up. I'm going to use, I'll be honest, I'm going to use plug plants and small plants because it's easier for me to do that. But if you were starting off in a greenhouse, there are some things that you can still grow, actually in a cold greenhouse, you can still grow at this time of year, still grow a bit of lettuce. I would always plant winter density, it works very well. Um, you can do a bit of spring onion, and even carrots will work in a greenhouse. You can grow them in tubs at this time of year. They're slow, be patient, but every bit of warmth will help to grow those. Now I've been looking at some tomatoes, uh, I think Arctic, 
Yeah. Arctic tomatoes that are like 40 days to fruiting or something crazy yes. and will grow in sort of the colder climate. Have you heard of those? Yeah, but it's, it's what's cold, you know. They're not frost-proof, and I think ah. that is the problem with a lot of crops is that, you know, they, are, they will tolerate a certain amount of cold they will not tolerate frost. Frost will kill them because they're not frost hardy. And people always plant tomato plants far too early um, outside because yeah. usually you've got to wait till the frosts are finished. And let's face it, you can get a frost even in May. So actually you, you've got to be fairly careful. The other thing I've noticed in the past few years as well is that some of the grafted tomatoes will produce fruit much quicker. They're more expensive, but they're grafted onto a different stock. So the roots one system, they grafted, top grafted, and they The best gardening experts from around the globe are here to help you. Watch our YouTube channel. Search online for World Radio Gardening. Now, we've got a bit of a cost of living crisis we keep hearing. So I want to put this to you, Ken. Is broccoli one of the, the most cost effective of the vegetables to grow? Because if you've got a mature plant, you can get a crop in winter, can't you? Yeah. And you can keep cropping right through to perhaps end of May, uh, March. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I've just eaten um, homegrown broccoli tonight. <laughs> Um, it's actually, it, it's all called broccoli, but in fact, it's calabrese is the one I planted. I planted them as small plants back in about September, October. And they've had a cutting off of those around Christmas time. I left them for Christmas. I've just taken some more off. And if you keep taking the shoots, the shoots get smaller and smaller, but actually you can keep cutting as you quite rightly say, it will go into the spring. If it goes too warm, what they do is they go to seed, and that means they just shoot up and they'll go yellow, just like a bit of rape in the yeah. field. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, good crop. Good spinach crop. is another one. Mm -hmm. Perennial spinach is another one that you run right through the winter as well. No, there are some good crops. And my cabbage, I've got <laughs> cabbages as well. They're, they're spring, they're a spring cabbage. I can't remember the name of the one I put in. But they're spring cabbage, and I'll tell you what, they've produced um, a cabbage. It's about seven, eight inches high. Uh, just, it's like a wintergreen. But i tell you what, again, really tasty at this time of year. Put in again, September time, and they're there now. Also, if you're thinking about planting veg for your garden and thinking about getting seed in, 
What do you think about planting aubergines and getting an aubergine plant growing? Because each one of those fruits will set you back about 80p in the shops. I think people often think that aubergine and peppers, that's the other one that's mm. quite expensive, a green pepper or a yellow pepper, quite expensive. And in fact, if you buy, you can buy a plant quite inexpensive. You would be better buying a plant, and right. in all honesty, because you'd have, you'd have to have a heated propagator to actually get the seed to grow. But if you buy plants of those, they, in an average summer, that's an average summer, they will produce aubergines outdoors, better in a cold greenhouse, but they will produce fruit. And as you quite rightly say, they're not cheap to buy. And let's face it, they taste so much better when they're out of your own garden, don't they? They do, yes. I always think kale, when you grow kale and the right variety of kale, that makes such a difference in terms of flavour for fresh veg. That is what it's all about. Growing your own is not just necessarily just about saving money because the one I always think is funny is that people grow potatoes and particularly they grow main crop potatoes. Well, if you worked it all out, including, forget your labour, but if you worked it out, it's cheaper to go to the supermarket or the greengrocer and buy, buy your potatoes. But to grow an early potato is so much different because they really taste spectacular when they're dug out of the ground, popped into the kitchen and eaten that day. And there is a difference. Main crop, forget it. But early is definitely worth growing. Would you advise people to look at two different varieties of a particular vegetable if they're looking for something that's early in the season and then also something that's perhaps later in the season? Yes, and I think not enough people including myself actually try and do that um, I still grow some of the vegetables that my used to grow with my dad in his garden and I go and talk to Andrew Tokley at King's Seeds down in um, Essex and he always says Ken you haven't eaten that you've you know buy this I say oh, I don't like that no, he says, you haven't eaten it. And sprouts was a good example. He used to, I hate sprouts, yeah. Right, and he okay. says, but have you grown one of these new varieties? He said, they're sweeter, they're not bitter. And so you should try new varieties. You should look for succession. And the one I always go on about is, is runner bean. Runner bean, you grow a red runner bean early in the season, planting that in May time. And then you sow a white one. Lady Dye was always one that I used to use, but there's several white varieties. You put a white variety in during July, you'll get those to crop beans until the frost. Whereas the red ones don't do that as easily. So you just, you can grind them up the same sticks even, mix them up, they look quite nice. And by red one, you mean the red flower? Yeah. Red flower, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Scarlet Emperor, you see, my dad used to grow, so I'd go out and buy Scarlet Emperor. I'm sure there's a lot better ones around now. <laughs> so turning to other things that are happening in February and March time, it's the end of the tree planting season, so it's a good time to think about planting bare rootstock trees. Yeah, you'll get to the end of that season by March, depending on the weather, and you'll find that you can buy roses, trees, a lot of also root bulb material, particularly hedging, you can get yew trees, uh, laurels which you see loads of laurel hedges everybody seems to be growing laurel hedges these days but um, lots of those around but you can only do that during the winter period now um, again bare root for example a bare root rose is nearly half the cost of a container rose so it is worth buying them at this time of year and again um, 
Adam on World Radio Gardening has done a very good um, post on that, which is worth having a look at. Um, it's cheaper. The planting is easy. You just dig a hole and see that you spread the roots and pop it in the ground well, give it a bit of compost. Never drop the compost straight in the hole around the plant. Always mix the compost with the soil that you're going to backfill. That's really important. And Why, why is that cheap? really important? Because we used to dig holes, particularly some of the areas of the country got clay. <laughs> and if you dig a hole in clay and then put compost in, the compost is used to be peat, but now it's made from all sorts of things, but it's, it's very fibrous. You put it in the bottom of a hole with a root and it'll absorb water, take water, take water, and it just sits there in a sodden mess. Whereas if you mix it with the soil that you've dug out, You've given it some nutrient, you've given it the chance for the hair roots to actually attach themselves to some of the fibrous material, but you haven't produced a bottomless well in your hole that you're going to plant in. So that's a useful tip and well worth doing. And then again, we don't, we used to, if I go back far enough, we used to always put bone meal and compost and fertilizer in the hole as well. Don't do that anymore. You mix it into the top surface and fork it in. Reason is, if you put it at the bottom of a hole, if you think about it, when it rains, it washes out the bottom of the hole. It's not feeding the roots, it's gone. So you put comp you put fertilizer on the surface, fork it in around the plant lightly or hoe it in lightly, and that will slowly drift down to where the roots are. Excellent, Ken. And you found a hoe, didn't you? A tall attachment. I did. <laughs> Quite deep down, and we're gonna put the video up on worldradiogardening.com. Are you using that attachment now? Have you attached it and cleaned it up? I've cleaned, I've cleaned the top up, and in fact, believe it or not, it's, it's, um, it's a wolf tool. I use, mold, I use all these multi-tools. It's fantastic because you can have a couple of handles, and then you can use everything from rakes, brooms, hose, two types of hose, claws, you name it, it fits it. You can even, you can even click in a, a pruner for your apple trees, a fruit tree picker. They all fit the same handle, which is incredible. They're absolutely marvellous. And yes, I think it's been in the ground for three to four years and uh, cleaned up. Yes, it clicks in there. I've had to get a bit of rust off the blade as well. But yeah, shined up. Go for it. Excellent stuff. And there's some great tips on the YouTube channel about how to put together a compost heap and moving a compost heap and making sure you put it in the right place in your garden. Compost is very underrated. Um, I think too often people's expectation of compost is too high. They expect it to be produced very quickly and instantly. Um, I found, and I, this is going back again from when I gardened with my father all those years ago, we didn't do anything fancy. We used to just put it in a heap and leave it. And we used to leave it for a couple of years before we ever used it. And you find if you take the top off of a, off of a heap and look underneath, it's well rotted, it's heated up, which is very important because what you want is your compost has got to heat up to a high level so that it actually destroys the seed because you're going to get weed seed in the compost and therefore you can use it then on your beds. And if you can mix it, it's even better. If you mix your leaf and your grass cuttings and veg waste all together, you get a brilliant compost. Do you need to think about in terms of lining the bottom with some sort of mesh in case of pests? Pests can, in a small garden and in built-up areas, you can get rat and, and you know, infestation, particularly of mice. Um, 
the one we dug up actually we found rabbit runs but then it was a very big compost heap um, it is worth putting just mesh at the floor but please don't put it put it on concrete I never put stuff on concrete particularly I like them on the soil because then I think it just drains away and the thing will drain away if not it just makes a, a revolting mess on the concrete but it is worth meshing it but don't leave too much ventilation because that will hold the compost too dry so turning to good planting tips, is there some good planting tips you want to impart for this upcoming spring season? Spring season, yes. I'm, I think, personally, it's going to be an interesting season. As you've quite rightly said, um, we're, we're watching what we spend. I think there may be some good bargains to be had in nurseries and garden centres because people don't spend what they haven't really got. Plants still are, in so many ways, a luxury. You can do without them, as somebody said to me years ago. You can have a bare bed with a couple of plants or you can fill the bed with annuals. And I think there'll be a few bargains about. Don't be too eager, and that's really important this year because we've had cold winter. So many people want to get out there in the garden. The grass at the moment has come out of frost in pretty well every area of the country but it's still incredibly wet. Don't walk about on your lawns too much if it's wet, because you'll just do so much damage. Compaction does damage to lawns. And again, with the beds, don't trundle over them and walk over them. But if you get the chance, fork through, hoe through, keep those weeds at bay because they've started to grow already. There are just so many things to get on with, but be patient. I think being patient as a gardener is possibly the number one thing. Thanks very much, Ken. And if you want your questions answered, get them into post at worldradiogardening.com and Ken will be happy to answer them. From veg to flowers and all things in between. The best gardening advice online from World Radio Gardening. Ken's top gardening tips will help you get your blossoms beautiful this season.